Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. The Zone. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, a little more sunshine in the forecast for your Thursday. Come on in, everybody. It's the fabulous Farm Babe, Pam Yonke. I'm along with you for the next 55 minutes or so, and we're talking all about what's happening with Wisconsin agriculture. Today, clouds, but more sun than yesterday. 52 are expected high. Tomorrow, sunny and 56. Saturday, well, clouds back in the forecast. 55 are expected high. We're going to kind of go through this uh, for the next five to seven days or so with uh, more cooler temperatures and maybe even some more rain coming our way next week. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist will relay the details for you in just a little bit. And speaking of details, uh, the dairy industry and many families that depend on it a little shocked when yesterday U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack announced that he was discontinuing the Farmers to Families Food Box program. That had been a major program all through the pandemic. Now, when uh, Secretary Vilsack was questioned on his decision yesterday, he said that uh, there were inefficiencies in the system that they want to address and try to change up. Uh, We're going to talk about what a big impact that had on our dairy markets immediately yesterday in Chicago, and what is the rumor mill saying about what will replace the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. The good news is Ryan Yonkman from EverAg down in Chicago is our live guest this morning, and He's on top of it. Stick around. We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. You talk to farmers about things they don't want the government involved in. It is regulations, and we have regulations in Wisconsin, and every state in the union has regulations. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And, uh, Pam, when you put 151, it's more than just a highway in Wisconsin. It is something that farmers have to deal with. Well, it's something that can roll over farmers, that's for sure. And our 151, uh, important piece of regulatory legislation that farmers have to keep an eye on. And there are changes afoot. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee, the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. I talked about it with Jeff Lyons, who's the general manager of Farm First Dairy Cooperative. They're one of the first of the agriculture groups to speak up about some recent economic analysis that was released by the DNR on NR151 and its potential impact on all of Wisconsin agriculture, but especially dairy. Lyons says that he took his time and went through all of the economic impact study that was presented, and he says he's got a real problem with some of the estimates that the DNR came up with, and more importantly, with some of the Uh, shall we say, deadlines that they're putting in place when it comes to dairy farms and their manure management. What the DNR had here up until April 10th was a comment period on their economic impact analysis along with uh, some proposed rule changes. So that's what the comment period was about. And there were some things in there that were real concern to us at Farm First and, and our dairy farm members. 
What's the biggest stickler that you are noticing? We've been dealing with NR151 for years. Uh, Most farmers out there are going to say, oh, yeah, I got my plan. I'm all set. But that's the deal. There are some changes that could really impact a farm's plan. Yes, it could. Uh, And what it has to do with is they've really come out here with the proposed changes with some targeted areas of uh, soils, you know, that uh, highly permeable, that kind of thing. So, you know, so it's going to affect all parts of the state because we have that kind of uh, soil around the state. But it's going to change some plans and the proposal they have for some of these soils. A couple things that really came out was, one was uh, limiting, uh, for for practical purposes, limiting uh, manure application after September 1 to to one application. There's some other options you can do, cover crops and those kinds of things. But our concern is that uh, people are going to have to either go to more long-term storage or increase the long-term storage that they have. Well, and, and that costs money, and this is not necessarily a time when dairy farms are flush to make that kind of, no pun intended, make that kind of capital investment. What about cost share, or what is DNR uh, suggesting as ways to offset that potential cost? Well, there is cost share dollars for operations that are under CAFO size, and a CAFO is a, uh, an operation that has 1,000 or more animal units. So if you're under 1,000 or more animal units, uh, you can get cost sharing at uh, uh, 70% to 30%, meaning the state picks up 70 uh, and the farm will have to pick up 30 But if you're having to put in uh, manure storage or add to manure storage, those kinds of things, uh, it can be rather expensive. Now, you don't have to do it if you're not offered the cost share, but uh, obviously you know, if the, if the purpose is to, uh, uh, to clean up water, do those kinds of things, and protect our water resources, uh, you know, you're going to want to have the dollars there. What the, the economic impact analysis, uh, in, in my review of it, I thought they took, the DNR took a very narrow uh, look at it by trying to keep the costs, uh, you know, that it's not going to be uh, that expensive. And I think they underestimated that greatly. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so what, where do we go from here, Jeff? I mean, economic impact analysis is obviously going to be something that is of record. Uh, everybody down at the state house that wants to look at it is going to go to that. What about agriculture? Do we have any other hard numbers that we can bring to the table to help, I guess we'd say, give them a reality check on that? Well, the first thing I need to know is that you know it does, it's going to affect dairy farmers, it's going to affect our members, obviously, because you know, big focal point is obviously always been on the non-point uh, performance standards on liquid manure, those kinds of things. But it doesn't just affect dairy farmers. This is affecting cranberry growers, potato growers, corn growers. And uh, all those various groups are uh, you know, putting in comments as well to illustrate that the uh, economic impact analysis was you know, severely underestimated as far as the cost. So you know, different groups are putting those kinds of things in. If you're going to have to back off your nitrogen, whether you're using manure or you're using commercial fertilizer, here's what the costs are going to be associated with that. Where we're at right now, this is a comment period, and it was my understanding that uh, the DNR staff wanted to take this to uh, the uh, DNR Citizens Board on May 10th, I believe, uh, you know, to get approval to take it out to hearing. Now, based on what the comments will be coming in, they're going to reevaluate it. I don't know the next steps and what they'll be doing. Right, right. Did, is there any, you know, this is about regulation. This is about working within the confines of NR 151. You know, what have they 
given any thought to these escalated costs, Jeff, that are potentially out there forcing even more dairy farms to make the decision to exit? And are they paying any attention to the volunteer watershed projects that have been so successful around the state? Well, I don't, I don't know if they have because I just saw where the announcement came out by, I think, uh, three-quarters of a million coming out for those producer-led uh, watershed projects, which are a great, great uh, advancement and idea that we've got that farmers are participating in them. And I, and I like to think that they didn't look at those costs, and that's part of when, what we put in our comments was if my concern is, is obvious our CAFO operations, you know, they, they, they can't receive the cost share. didn't mention that earlier. They can't receive it. So any cost that they have, they have to pay for the whole thing. If you're under, you can, you know, get cost share dollars to do that. But when you're looking at, uh, you know, the cost in there, I don't think that they did it. And, again, that's our concern is that if you're an operation, you know, with 200 cows or something like that, and let's say you have, uh, you know, some short-term storage, you know, for a few months, uh, you're going to have to make the decision, do I want to put in that year-long storage? And, and that was partly what the DNR did in the economic impact analysis. They looked at short-term storage, you know, up to maybe nine months. Well, if you're going to put storage in, you're going to put it in for a year because you just can't uh, depend upon the weather, you know, that, you know, there's going to be some Septembers that you're not going to be able to get that manure on, and then you have to put it on a reduced rate, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? And it's been my concern in all the years I've been working on it that we really the way the regulations have been going is just that we set ourselves up for this time of year when we have all the uh, liquid manure in manure pits, and obviously various operations need it, but now people are putting manure on the land, and this is when we get the rainstorms, those kinds of things, and we just set ourselves up for uh, you know, catastrophic events with runoff and those kinds of things. That's been my concern. Well, I think all of us, I mean, whether it's fall or spring, we run into the same kind of weather patterns. And let's face it, Jeff, uh, if I'm a dairy that has uh, limited capacity, I'm going to up that rate too. And that also becomes uh, problematic uh, for not just the, the dairy farmer, but the DNR and neighbors as well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's a concern and a problem for all. Absolutely, Pam. So what would you suggest then? I mean, as you point out, uh, this is a situation that could impact not just our dairy operations, but basically a lot of agriculture that uh, is monitored by the DNR regarding water and uh, waste. What should people be doing between now and May, or how do we keep up to date on this? Well, I think, you know, the various associations, groups that you belong to, you know, they're going to keep their members in you know, up to speed on what's going on there, because like I said, right now, I think when this comment period's over, that the DNR will reassess where they're at, and, uh, you know, as far as their economic analysis, uh, you know, and, and the cost, because I think there's going to be some good numbers in there saying that this, you know, doesn't, uh, that it, it's, it's, uh, it is rather expensive. And there's uh, a provision, Pam, in there that you need to know is that in our state law, and it happened back in uh, 2017, it's called the RAINS Act. And basically, if uh, regulations are going to go over $10 million in a, over a two-year period, then uh, basically it's kind of a threshold that kicks in where you have greater legislative oversight and uh, independent economic analysis. And, you know, that's, uh, so, you know, that $10 million is kind of a trigger on that. Mm. And I think it's going to the ag industry will show that it, their cost is going to be well over the 10. So I think they're going to have to do some reassessment. Hmm. So what you're saying is this, this is not going to be a one and done by the time we get to the end of May. I don't know. It yes. won't be one and done at all. Because like I said, this is just a comment period on this economic analysis. Hmm. It still has to go to the, 
the citizens board goes out to hearing, goes through the whole process yeah. too. So there's uh, you know, opportunities, but certainly that's not one for farmers just to sit back on their heels and everything. Uh, it's to let uh, legislators, let people know, let the DNR know that uh, you know this what this is going to do and how costly it could be to your business. Yeah, keep paying attention. Very good, Jeff Lyon, along with us. He is, of course, the general manager of Farm First Dairy Cooperative. They've got 3,200 individual dairy farms right here in Wisconsin that could be impacted by that. And he's just talking about the economic impact analysis released by the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources for NR151. Like he said, get in touch with your farm association, your organizations, and make sure. As a dairy producer, cranberry grower, anybody connected to Wisconsin agriculture, that you're paying attention to the fine details. Jeff Lyons, General Manager, Farm First Dairy Cooperative. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It's been called the best in Wisconsin meticulously maintained at 70% humidity. It's the walk-in humidor at the Tasting Room Lounge, a showcase of the finest tasting hand-rolled cigars in the area. The Tasting Room Lounge, a systematically ventilated refuge to enjoy your favorite cigar, spirit, specialty beer, or wine. Indoor or on the patio, find your spot at the Tasting Room Lounge. West Broadway, Monona. Smog, garbage, sewers, car exhaust. Today's world puts our sense of smell on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. When you visit, your nose will instantly recognize the purity of nature. Bask in the aromatic scent of the black pine trees blowing in the wind. Detect the sweet fragrance of primroses wild violets, and blue sage. Smell the fresh salt water in the air as waves crash into rocky shoals. When you smell these things, you're smelling the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. We've all taken new appreciation for our backyards, and if you want to continue to work on them, McFarland's is there to help. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee for McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City, 780 Carolina Street or online, McFarland's.net. If you're looking at lawn care, look no further than the experts at McFarland's. Whether it's fertilizer, bug treatment, or bird seed, greenhouse kits or seed, they're ready to help. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, online at McFarland's.net or 643-3321. Here, we use a lot of F-words. Food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Ah, uh, yeah, and this morning, uh, maybe frosty. I don't know. It's a little cool out there, but it is improving, and that's the good news. Let's find out what's coming our way weather-wise. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live this morning. So, uh, you know, today it looks like we're going to get a bit more sunshine. I saw, I was out uh, at the grocery store yesterday, and they've got all the little posies and you know, springtime, get excited about garden and that kind of thing. And I thought, boy, you better think about covering those rascals up overnight because it's still getting kind of chilly overnight. It's still getting chilly. And if you're worried about frost this morning, this one really isn't too bad. Tomorrow morning, I think, ah. could be a little more likely. 
it's still early. You know, that, that last killing frost in the spring doesn't often in this area happen until very late April or into early May. So we're pushing it right now if you're thinking that it's time to get all those little flowers and everything out because it's just going to be a little cold. Now, we do get some warm-up. I guess that's the big news heading for this weekend. There will be a little more mild air building in today, tomorrow, and Saturday as well with that mild air. A few more clouds of possibility, especially towards Saturday. Don't be downhearted. It's still going to stay pretty nice, near or even a little bit above normal. That's not hard to tolerate. The low that brought the rain, snow, and everything else off toward the northeast part of the U.S. right now. There may be a sprinkle yet this morning, even a stray snowflake in the far eastern edge of the state. But that ends this morning, and otherwise we dry it out. We're hearing about snow in the Colorado Rockies, that area. It stays away. Looking ahead, it sounds nicer this weekend, but a cool front will drop south out of Canada. And into early next week, I expect a bit of a rain chance developing Monday, maybe lingering into Monday night, and that's going to push temperatures down again. So even though we're heading back toward normal this weekend, we'll be cooler than normal into next week, maybe even a day or two in the 40s again by about Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll have forecast details right after this. Farmers understand the power and the value of the sun. They understand return on investment. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is an opportunity to get rid of that energy bill. Farmers understand taking expenses away. They they just get it. It's the difference between renting and owning. You are renting your energy currently, okay? Own your energy. It's a no-brainer. You are going to have that energy bill. You're going to. It's a known expense that every farm has. Put a solar field in, put a solar system in, and now make your own energy. It's a business decision, just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. You should reach out to us, and we will come out to look at your farm for a very specialized, specific quote for you. Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All righty, Stu, let's uh, get the green light for today's forecast. All right, well, it sounds pretty fair. I'd say partly sunny skies. We all ought to hit 50. Uh, Lacrosse could get 52 or 53, so a little nicer in the west. I'd expect to see those northwest winds today, though, at about 5 to 15. Now, there is still, I should mention, a real slight chance of a little sprinkle at Lacrosse or Mauston and far eastern Wisconsin for a time today. That's about it. Otherwise, by tonight, partly cloudy. We drop back toward the lower 30s, 33, maybe a 32, and the northwest winds will be at 5 to 10. Mostly sunny on Friday. Not a bad day. Mid-50s. North winds 5 to 10. But some more clouds build back in, especially in central and northern Wisconsin. In the south, partly sunny Saturday. Still some clouds around. They'll be sure on that. And look for temps in the mid-50s. The north winds at 5. More sunshine. Upper 50s. The closest we've been to normal in a long time on Sunday, Pam. But by late Sunday night or Monday, a little scattered light rain could edge back in. Yeah, I just took a quick peek at the extended forecast. Better get comfortable with 50s for a while because that uh, that taste of summer that we had 10 days ago is uh, not going to reoccur for a, quite a little while now. That's right. I think the rest of April we'd probably stay on that overall somewhat cooler than normal side so mm-hmm. they're not you know, t- they're, it was great we enjoyed it but now we're back to reality they're not talking anymore about la nina or whatever the other one is well, la nina and el nino yeah they still have some influence of that in the air masses but 
our our pattern now is kind of back in that you know typical april we're trying yeah. to break through the summer yeah right gotcha all right buddy catch up with you tomorrow thanks all right see ya stumacher ag meteorologist keeping an eye on what's happening with that forecast and don't forget speaking of keeping an eye on things we're pretty happy that this morning ryan yonkman's going to be joining us from everag tell us about what's happening with dairy stick with us on that this is the midwest farm report with pam Youngke. You already know that worms approve our shredded topsoil, but did you know that seeds also love our special blend of garden mix? It's packed with nutrients that plants need to grow to their full potential. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com for delivery, or you can simply pick it up at our awesome processing plant. Then watch that garden grow with tons of fresh vegetables or beautiful plants and flowers. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Hit your camping season out of the park with Fathead's Country Campers. Fathead's lineup covers the bases with small, lightweight campers that you can pull with your SUV to toy haulers that let you load up the toys and head out into left field. Fathead's Country Campers doesn't play games. You'll get the best price on every camper, every time, with no hidden fees. Check them out just off I-94 and Lake Mills or at CountryCampers.com. That's CountryCampers.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection is here 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for all your residential and commercial plumbing services. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning, we've got you covered. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. When it comes to putting a room together, I'm brilliant. No idea where you come up with these things. You didn't put the room together. I can just scribble an idea down on a piece of paper and voila! You drew the room and handed it to a Lazy Boy interior designer. I don't know how I do it. These ideas just come to me. Your idea was to go to Lazy Boy. That's all anyone has to do. I mean, I'm not bragging. You're totally bragging. But a little planning and you could have a home that looks like this. Anybody can do that. It just takes a simple meeting with a Lazy Boy interior designer. It takes about an hour, then they take it from there. It just feels good to have it all come together like this. I can finally put my feet up and relax. You've had your feet up the whole time. It's time to order your custom designs for summer delivery. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor Madison. East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. When we help accident victims, we fight to get them full justice, nothing less. That means all of the losses your injuries cause, medical bills, lost wages, and compensation for all your pain and suffering, now and in the future. I'm John Rihala. At Clifford & Rihala, we rely on thorough analysis, detailed preparation, and a strong compassion for our clients to help you achieve your maximum recovery. Over decades of helping accident victims, we've built a track record of success that you can trust. When you choose Clifford and Rihala, we'll fight to make those responsible for your injuries pay you nothing less than the full compensation you deserve to make things right. 
For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. The River Food Pantry, Dane County's busiest food pantry, celebrates 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. The River's Birthday Bash is Saturday, May 15th, with music, raffles, food, drinks, and goodie bags all served curbside. You'll take home a beautiful meal, enjoy music, a wine pull, and raffle, all from the safety of your car, and all while supporting Dane County families facing food insecurity. Go to riverfoodpantry.org for tickets. Celebrating 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. Riverfoodpantry.org. Confusion ever someone or have sudden you trouble had speaking, understanding? Understanding trouble? Have you sudden have or speaking someone ever confusion? Have Have you you ever ever had had sudden confusion, confusion, trouble speaking, or understanding understanding someone? It could be one of the five signs of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Suddenly having trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. It's late until, wait, don't too. Don't Don't wait wait until until it's it's too late. late. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. We woke up this morning and we chose violence. Oh, good morning, RJ. I was going to say humping, but... Oh, no, we woke up this morning and we chose... We'll hump later. Not not, not us. Hump day later. <laughs> we woke up this morning and chose violence. Spider by the Cubs last night. It's funny because we're obviously looking at one way. And, uh, you know, Cubs fans are looking at the other way. I got our guy B-Rail up in Eau Claire on Twitch. He goes, he is hot today. Because if you don't control throwing inside, then you don't do it. Talking about Brandon Woodruff, who did hit Contreras... Uh, first in the fourth inning. What? By the way, good morning, RJ. He took a swing at a ball that was over the plate. <laughs> you can even go watch that. Yes. There is no... His hips came all the way through. Just because you didn't break your wrists doesn't mean it wasn't a swing. That that was a very close strike. I'll they called, the, the, they called the, the swing on the exact same swing in McKinney later in the game. I'll, that was a strike. I'll give the benefit of the doubt to the umpire on that one, but it was close. But again, like you just said, almost swung. Yeah, yeah. That it, it wasn't. Yeah. You're not almost swinging at something that is coming right at you, meant to hit you. No. So then there's this. I would say B Rail says if you can't pitch inside, don't do it. Well, if you can't pitch, um, I'm going to use the same words. If you can't pitch inside, don't do it. Because how would you consider this? Well, Brandon, if you don't like if you don't like people coming in on you when they pitch in, don't stand on the plate. So would you say Ryan Tapera then was coming in on Brandon Woodruff, but and he can't control his inside pitch because he threw behind well, him? I, then I think it's <laughs> I think it's because Woodruff was crowding the plate, so he couldn't hit him, <laughs> and pit. it ended up behind him. All right, here, listen to this. This comes from the TV broadcast. Uh, so listen to this here as Brandon Woodruff is up the bat, and this is in the fifth inning after Contreras was had been hit on an inside pitch. Or Tapera's literally hanging his elbow over the strike zone. The pitch before Woody hit him, Contreras, you can see it on the on the broadcast. He's literally trying to get hit oh, yeah. by the pitch. But then what if what what if Woodruff comes up in the fifth inning and then Tapera Cubs reliever is on the mound and then this happens right here. Right behind him. 
Really? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you see Brandon Woodruff talking to Ryan Tapera. I mean, really? We're going to do that? Well, now Contreras is getting into the middle of it. Now Rizzo's coming in. See Rizzo and Woodruff talking to one another. Anthony Rizzo has one of the most punchable faces in all professional sports. Well, Anthony Rizzo had no business being in on that conversation. I don't care if he's the captain. That's, that's obviously between Contreras, Woodruff, and the pitcher. Yeah, if you need your captain to step in in that situation and defend you, sorry, but I don't respect you as a man anymore. I mean, I'm, you're just looking at Tapera's pitch here. It is... Beyond Bush League. He's not, he's throwing at Woody's like thigh, knee it's, area behind yeah, him. It's not like this is hockey where you have enforcers step in or the captain step in to try to cool things out. Yeah. At least in hockey, they either the captain comes over and is just like, uh, you know, if you want to drop gloves, go ahead. Yeah. Well, at least That's in hockey, all. they get to put it to bed because yeah. you're going to have two guys going at it. Right. Or it's going to be a line brawl. So today, I'm curious to see what happens because both teams were just warned. The umpire comes over and he get, he like puts his arm on Woody's shoulder and he just starts like patting him and he's like, just calm down, calm down, gives him a little, uh, the little. Here's the thing. In that same situation, he's like if, patting if his shoulder. Woody does that to the ump, he gets tossed for touching the ump. Yeah. And Anthony Rizzo comes Should down. Go both ways. Even Anthony Rizzo starts like jawing, that. and he starts throwing his arms up. But yeah. Like, what? What? How, how can the, how can Mike Estabrook, the guy that was umpiring, be the one to step in front of Woody when the pitcher just threw behind him? Yeah, that's in any other situation, and outside of Cubs media and Cubs fans, every at least Twitter blue check mark is saying that's Bush League by the Cubs. Wilson Contreras is trying to get hit by pitches. Uh, now, the weird thing is all the headlines are after Brewers hit Contreras, he gets revenge. Yeah. Oh, wait, here. I'll go to the recap. Oh, this is on ESPN. So, But on Twitter, all the blue check marks, even the ones who work for ESPN, the works works for CBS, works for whoever is posting these big articles yeah. and are not talking about the whole situation – Everybody is saying Wilson Contreras is basically a little baby who crowds the plate, tries to get hit. Then when he does, he whines, moans, and thinks there's a vendetta. Sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. A little more sunshine today and 52. Sunshine tomorrow and 56. Then a few more clouds back around in 55 degrees. Boy, you want to talk about clouds moving in quickly. Yesterday, USDA's Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack announced that he was putting an end to the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. And agriculture responded. Uh, not just the dairy markets, but all of agriculture. American Farm Bureau Federation says uh, they questioned the decision to end the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. It really helped a lot of families and farmers uh, all across the United States in light of the pandemic. More than 150 million food boxes were produced and helped families that were suffering with some of the hardships uh, from COVID-19. And now they want to know, okay, what's next? Now, I am prefer to be lucky than good. We are lucky today that Ryan Yonkman, Vice President of EverAg down in Chicago, is going to be joining us in about 10 minutes. He is on top of this subject and can answer a lot of our questions about what's going to happen with the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. Are they going to bring something else in? 
because the dairy markets reacted immediately to that announcement. I'm P.M. Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Thursday. So today is the 15th day of April. Remember yesterday I said Abraham Lincoln was shot in the theater yesterday? Well, on this day in 1865, he actually passed away. Yesterday we talked about the Titanic got grazed by an iceberg. Well, today they started counting bodies, and it included Edward Gifford Crosby, who was a retired Great Lakes skipper and head of the Great Lakes Shipping Company in Milwaukee. He was a passenger on the Titanic. His wife and daughter survived, but uh, Crosby did not. His body was located and later identified after the disaster. So just a little something for you to think about as we get rolling on this Thursday. All right, let's speak of what's uh, rolling on a Thursday. The permitting process for this year's Wisconsin hemp producers and processors is underway. But I'll tell you what, numbers are thin compared to last year. I talked about it with Brian Kuhn, Division Administrator of the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection. He's in charge of that program, and he talked with me about numbers and the reason why we may see less interest in producing and processing hemp this year. And the numbers are down from uh, from the past. Um, uh, you know, the number of licensees uh, that we've we've had applying to the program on the processor side, uh, they're down by about fifty percent this year, and on the grower side, about sixty percent year to date. So, so those are you know we'll, we'll be accepting licenses uh, applications uh, throughout the year. Uh, but for where we are, for the number of applications or, or licenses we've issued actually this year um, over last year, it's it's down substantially. And I'd say that's not just Wisconsin. That's kind of all states are seeing that that similar significant reduction in the number of people in the programs. Um, and that more than likely, you know, there's a number of factors playing into that. I think uh, by and large, we, we've had COVID, so that that just added a whole layer of uncertainty and challenge to growers uh, in agriculture at large, but certainly impacted hemp as well. Um, and then markets, um, you know, we've had significant numbers in our program, and all states saw that as well. So we've had significant. Uh, production of hemp over the last two years with these very uh, large increases in in the number of growers producing hemp. Um, And and again, the challenge is still that the the markets, um, finding that that market um, and supply chain to kind of sell sell your crop into has been a challenge uh, for growers. Um, so I think that's that high production um, still, you know, has, has kind of brought prices down. Um, and then you've got corn and soybean prices playing into that too, right? Established markets, known known um, production practices to growers. Um, I think that's another piece uh, that's playing into why are, are there less people um, licensing to grow hemp this year. What do your numbers look like? Do you have actual numbers, Brian? Yeah, the the number of licensees are um, are on our our website, but rough numbers uh, as of this morning, we've got about six hundred, um, or we've got about three hundred and five processors uh, that have uh, gotten a license and registration for this year, and those are issued. We still have some, you know, we're processing applications every day, but the ones what we've issued to date. Uh, are 305 um, processor applications or licenses, and that's compared to about 619 last year uh, for the whole year. 
And then uh, we've issued 472 uh, grower license and registration, and that's compared to about 1,249 um, from all of last year. So we'll continue to we'll continue to to you know add licenses as people apply, uh, but certainly we would expect that the bulk of folks that are really thinking about growing hemp, um, you know, the, the the large majority have probably already put their applications in for this year. Brian Kuhn, he's the division administrator with the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection that oversees that permitting process for our Wisconsin hemp growers as well as hemp processors. Now, Brian said that those numbers could fluctuate. They are accepting applications basically through the year, but you can understand why most growers would want to know that they're a part of the program before it gets too much closer to spring planting. So a little less interest this year as far as Wisconsin hemp is concerned. The latest numbers that he shared with me, uh, 305 processors this year versus 619 last year. And as far as hemp growers in Wisconsin, 472 have applied for the permit versus over 1,240 last year. Let's pivot now and talk about the markets. We'll be joined by Ryan Yonkman with uh, EverAg in just a moment. As I mentioned at the outset, the big story yesterday was the announcement by U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack that he is ending the Farmers to Families Food Box Program. That had been responsible for more than 150 million food boxes with a lot of different foods, but did include dairy that were produced and distributed across families all across the United States. Like I said, Ryan will give us more details in just a moment. Dairy markets, as you can imagine, reacted very negatively yesterday, very quickly. Barrel cheese dropped four cents to a dollar sixty-eight. Forty-pound block cheese was down four and a half at one seventy-six. Double A butter dropped a penny and three quarters at one eighty-seven and three quarters per pound. Fluid milk contracts took a hit. Now, an overnight trade, May milk is up a dime at eighteen ninety-three. June milk still down seven at eighteen eighty-eight. July milk closed 55 cents lower at 18.82 a hundredweight. So we peeled off uh, probably 50, 60, 70 cents in some instances on our fluid milk contracts. The grain trade is firm. December corn's up three right now at 5.14 and a quarter. November beans are up two at 12.65 and July wheat penny and a half higher at 6.51 as we roll into a Thursday. If you enjoy getting into the outdoors, maybe you want to look at an opportunity with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. They're encouraging anybody that's got a passion for helping people and protecting natural resources to get involved in the next class of conservation wardens. The application period is open now. They're going to take applications for about two weeks And they remind you that this is actual uh, credentialed law enforcement officer when you get done with all of their training. Like I said, DNR looking for the next class of conservation wardens. You can apply now. We've got uh, the link up on our website, MidwestFarmReport.com. All right, like I said, better lucky than good. Today, we are lucky to have Ryan Yonkman from Rice Dairy LLC down in Chicago, now a part of the Ever Ag Group, joining us in just a moment to help break down what's going on behind the scenes, why the announcement on the end of the Farmers to Families Food Box Program, and what will take its place. He's going to be joining us. You stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Hey, check the grill. The game's coming on. It's time to turn those Johnson Sausage Brats. And what a deal. You buy five packages at $6 each, and you get a package free. Pick up burgers, roast, chops, and Wisconsin's finest cheese at Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. They're perfect for cooking out or eating in. Add your favorite beer, wines, or liquor, and eat deliciously. See johnsonsausage.com. Brats are ready. Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. The River Food Pantry, Dane County's busiest food pantry, celebrates 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. The River's Birthday Bash is Saturday, May 15th, with music, raffles, food, drinks, and goodie bags all served curbside. You'll take home a beautiful meal, enjoy music, a wine pole, and raffle, all from the safety of your car, and all while supporting Dane County families facing food insecurity. Go to riverfoodpantry.org for tickets. Celebrating 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. Riverfoodpantry.org. When you're having your vehicle worked on, the last thing you want to hear is, trust me, it's bad. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. At Tom's Auto Center, we'll show you the proof of the matter. We share photos of damaged or loose parts that's causing the problem. So you know exactly what you're paying for. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, getter done to get you off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I mentioned it earlier, sometimes I'd rather be lucky than good. Given the stories that have been unfolding in the past 24 hours, uh, we're lucky this morning to have Ryan Yonkman joining us. He is vice president of Rice Dairy, now a part of the Ever Ag Group. He's down in Chicago, and he's been watching, as many of us have, the announcement that uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is going to uh, stop the Farmers to Families Food Box Program when... uh, I'm basically cross-examined yesterday. U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack said it was because of uh, inefficiencies that they saw, but he also didn't really give us much guidance as to where we go from here. So, Ryan, the markets took it very hard immediately, losing that uh, outlet for a lot of our dairy products. Uh, Did you guys see this coming? Had this been discussed earlier? You know, I... To an extent, yes. I think yesterday's correction, um, some credit can be given toward uh, the report of, hey, food box is done as as we know it in May. Um, look, they've been reviewing this program for the last 60 days, uh, calling in the industry to give them feedback on how it went, what was good, what was bad. Um, it was already teed up to have ended at the end of April. We were already talking much, much smaller volumes as the amount of money spent. Uh, so in a way, um, this program was, was already phasing out pretty drastically. Uh, I think yesterday's article more or less just cemented it and maybe uh, let a lot of people know that hadn't been following close enough, uh, maybe in a new way that it was done. So 
we frankly don't think this was as big of a market of event as it may have looked when everyone saw futures down limit down yesterday. Uh, that was actually a much, much bigger story to do with the big premium we had built in futures uh, to the current cash market. And we saw a cash market that started to bring uh, cheese back out for sale, which has a lot to do with the ample supplies we're hearing we have on hand right now, even though good demand. Then, yes, I think your cherry on top was this came out. Let everybody know the government is done buying, at least for the foreseeable future, through the lens of how the food box program worked. A combination of things, I think, uh, to yesterday's break. You know, maybe it's just me, but I think there's a certain amount of confusion, even with our food pantries, our food banks, on where all of this uh, rescue money is. Uh, here in Wisconsin, for exa- example, the governor uh, trying to bing- bring back in play uh, millions of dollars uh, that I think are going towards food banks. But again, I think there's a lot of uncertainty on, okay, farmers to families, food boxes done. Is anything else new coming in? Are those uh, rescue dollars going in different channels that it's kind of hard to trace? Uh, it, it's super gray. Uh, I wish I had, I wish I also had the answers. Um, there are a couple things we do know. Uh, one of which is just before this article was re- released about the food box, um, they, they reemphasized that a new program called the Dairy Donation Program is soon to launch. Uh, this is a program really quite different than food box, but it is going to be focused on really buying surplus milk, surplus inventory, more or less focusing on buying and moving products. Uh, that we're overwhelmed with in the U.S. or or that are cheap historically. So in the event of this program, it looks like something that would be focused on butter. Um, but it is a new program we've been aware of for a while. It's just been taking forever to launch. Uh, they they reemphasize that is coming soon. Uh, also put reemphasis on you know on things like um, you know food stamps and and going direct through Section 32 purchases and some of the more traditional routes we've typically seen government money spent. Uh, to more or less help encourage demand or move product through these pantries. Uh, the, the key takeaway is the food box, the farmer's food box program, uh, it grabbed hold of a lot of food. It, it, it uh, interrupted distribution. It was a very measurable demand factor. And with what we see going forward, it uh, looks a lot more like of the norm. Um, the way I like to say it is it doesn't feel like programs that are going to help us make new highs. Uh, but help take out the lows. And that feels like what the new programs are trying to more or less focus on. Um, After we went through a year like we did last year, where we made all-time lows and all-time highs in the same year, seems like they're trying to find ways to be a little more even keel, a little less market uh, disruptive, uh, and still keep product moving uh, to places in this country that need it, though. Let's talk about the market. One upside that has been encouraging is restaurant demand, uh, you know, consumer uptick. Are we still seeing those chains come back online as a healthy sign for Dairy Ryan? Yes, food service orders have been fantastic. They're coming online faster uh, than I think most could have uh, dreamt of. Uh, We continue to have conversations with the end user community, letting us know their orders more or less are escalating each month. Uh, as people are seeing the demand and preparing for even more as we get into the summer months. Um, so put the government aside. Uh, we're walking into an environment that, that feels pretty good. We've got demand the strongest we've seen really since we walked into COVID. Um, a supply situation, yes, there's plenty of it. 
Um, but fortunately, the rest of the world is not. Uh, Europe is still flat to negative. So, yeah, this food service category is a huge deal, something uh, we've missed for about a year, and, and it's coming on strong as Americans get out there and um, decided to go live a little bit, right? right. Spend some money, go right. to some restaurants. right. Got to ask you next week, we get another milk production report. Uh, you've got a, about a minute and a half. What are you expecting? What are you expecting from the markets? Uh, as far as the report goes, I'd say much of the same. Uh, production has been strong. We've had a really, really nice spring, uh, or you can even tie that back into a not a very rough winter. Um, so that, you know, two to two and a half percent seems logical for what we would see coming there. As far as what that will mean for the market, I don't think much. Uh, we've already eaten through that milk um, and moved it. If there was a surprise, it would certainly be a number that comes in south of 2%, but unexpected at this point. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what we can look for in that next week. Uh, final thing is that we'll drill down DRP, so we will be able to square up on Q1 DRP payments. After that report comes out, we'll be able to calculate yield factor, and dairymen can make their claims for the first quarter. What about PPD? Is that still something that uh, we got to keep an eye on? Are we going to see a reversal? Sounds like it's going to be here for 2021. Oh, it's going to be here. Um, it's going to be here for at least uh, the next few months. That three, four spread, threes over class four, uh, still trading anywhere from you know two to almost four dollars wide. Uh, could it flip? Yeah. Do we think it will? We do. We we still believe the class four market can go over class three. Uh, which in that terms would flip PPD to actually be positive uh, for class four states. But for the time being, negative PPDs will still be a topic, should still be pretty real for uh, at least the next couple months. Hmm. Ryan Yonkman's along with us, uh, Vice President, along with EverAg. How do you suggest they get in touch with you and your team, Ryan, in these crazy uncertain times? Yeah. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, everag.com. We've got a lot of uh, information there about ourselves and how to reach out, or you can always hit us direct simply at 312-492-4200. Excellent. Appreciate you joining us this morning, Ryan. Have a great Thursday. We'll catch up with you guys next week. You as well. Thank you. All right. Ryan Yonkman, our guest this morning. Like I said, better to be lucky than good when it comes to uh, figuring out what's going on with these dairy markets and all the announcements out of Washington, D.C. that could impact your markets. Now you know. Ryan Yonkman along with us. We'll catch up with you tomorrow morning. Same time, same channel. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young.